Lucky number two. Welcome, all of you litwits, to The Library Game, an eclectically indecisive book club. I'm Amy. I'm Lacey. And we're your guides in this methodically random journey through the aisles of your local library. And how do we do that? We use what we like to call the RSSB coordinates, that's row, section, shelf, and book. And we use these coordinates to help us answer that age-old terrible question what do i read next and so when we go to our library we count the rows pick a number count the sections pick a number count the shelves pick a number count the books pick a book and then you have to read that book that's it that's the library game in a nutshell and so this week our our ssb coordinates were two five one and twelve and where did that lead us That led us to Always My Girl by Samantha Chase. Well, all right. Let's talk (laughs) about the cover of Always My Girl. So it is a very detailed cover. There's a lot going on. Oh, and the reason why we're doing this is uh, we're going to do that thing that nobody is supposed to do. We'll do it so you don't have to. We're going to judge this book by its cover. So it is quite the detailed cover. Always my girl, the my is in like a scriptier kind of font than the always girl. And then the majority of the cover is a big picture. So we've got a man and a woman leaning against a white picket fence with a beautiful green sprawling lawn behind them and a white house with a red door and a maybe a wreath on the door and shutters. It's kind of like an old. Very hallmarky. Yes. Framing the two people are these little cruiser bikes. One of them's got a cute little basket, and the basket is full of a bouquet of flowers. They both have hats and sunglasses on, and the girl's got her hand on her head, and she's laughing. And the guy looks like a total douche. (laughs) Okay, calm down, calm down. I'm sorry, but look at him. Yeah, they very much look like people trying to be like Instagram model influencer. They seem like they're matching because she's wearing a white tank top and jeans. He's wearing jeans with a white shirt. I think it's the hat. His hat is a bad hat. I'm not a fan. Oh, yeah, that's a douchey hat. Yeah, (laughs) It's like a straw hat, but like in a fedora kind of style. (laughs) But they're both wearing sunglasses. They're looking at each other, but it's a very posed, like, ha, 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 our life, right? It almost kind of, you know, the people who post very obviously photoshopped fake vacation pictures? Mm, It mm kind of looks like that a little to me. I mean, honestly, you change the color scheme of this and very hallmarky. Yes. If they were wearing green and red plaid, this would be like, our Southern Christmas or, you know, <laughs> like something like that. Well, Hallmark does non-Christmas movies. Do they? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure all they do is Christmas movies. <laughs> Maybe they're in New Zealand and it's summertime at Christmas. Did I just start my by the cover? <laughs> <laughs> You're hooked in on that now. You have to go with that. I do need to add... So this is written by a person named Samantha Chase, and on the bottom it says the Shaughnessy Brothers. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's like a series. Is that a publisher? I don't know, but I'm confused by that. I'm going to tie that into my prediction. Okay, let's hear it. So I will say I did notice the fun, flirty, filled with romance yes. commentary. And that was on the cover, so I don't feel like that's cheating. That says praise for I'll Be There, which I assume is a different book by this person. So this is where I'm going with this, right? Okay. This is in a romance series, anthology, whatever, and the Shaughnessy brothers are the hot men of these women's lives, right? (laughs) I'm not a romance novel reader. I kind of want to be now for some reason. I wanted it for the podcast, I think, is what it was. I think this is the book I've been waiting for. If there's also vampires in this, (laughs) then this is literally the golden I mean, it does say always. Always my girl. Right? Yeah. So I'm going to say that this douchey dude on the cover is one of these Shaughnessy brothers. And this is a story about how this girl who moves to this quaint town to get away from her bustling life in the city (laughs) comes across this guy who she initially thinks is just a jerk. And then they fall in love. And he probably fixes the pipes in her house. (laughs) He does a lot of pipe fixing. Yeah. <laughs> really lays a lot of pipes. <laughs> Just a real rotor-rooter, if you know what I mean. God. <laughs> is that it? Is that the end? I will say, I don't think this is going to be raunchy. I think it's going to yeah. be pretty PG-13. Again, hallmarky, fade to black. I think we'll get some nice makeout sessions. I imagine we'll probably see him either in a wet shirt or like has just taken off his shirt kind of thing. But yeah, woman from the big city comes to a small quaint town thinking she's above everything. Literally, I think this is Hallmark in a book. I agree that I think it's Hallmark in a book. I don't know about the storyline. There aren't that many. I mean, you've laid out probably the most obvious one. I took the easy way out. I will be the first one to say that I basically cheated on my by the cover prediction. <laughs> I would love to go into my New Zealand Christmas romance, but <laughs> I, I don't think. <laughs> you just have New Zealand on the brain all the I time. I do. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's true. I'm going to say that this is, yes, very hallmarky, but it's like a... We were friends as children and never uh, dated and then went our separate ways. I'm going to say maybe he's the one who left because oh, I wouldn't have okay. said that if not for the picture, but he just looks so douchey that I don't feel like that's a small town guy. So he left and he's come back and she's the hometown girl. So maybe he's like an actor. He's gone off to be some frou-frou actor or whatever. And she's like, I'm just a country girl who rides my bike and I get flowers in my basket, you know. And he comes back into town and realizes that she was the real love of his life and she Uh. thinks he's an asshole, but then he shows that he's back to his roots and then they... So kind of like, I didn't know what I had until I didn't have it anymore kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Maybe like a little bit. What's the Ryan Reynolds movie where like he used to be chubby? Just Friends. Yeah, so maybe something like that. That's my guess. If I may, can I provide an alternative prediction since I cheated so much on my first one? Yes. Alternate universe for my girl, but instead of dying to bee stings, Macaulay Culkin's character lives 
And then basically we go into your story where <laughs> where he goes off and becomes a douche. <laughs> anyway. Yes, now it's time for us to actually read the synopsis of the novel and find out how wrong we are in our predictions. Okay. The Shaughnessy brother you've been waiting for. Sometimes the love that's closest to you is the hardest to see. Quinn mm -hmm. Shaughnessy's two older brothers have found their true loves. But Quinn's not about to join that parade. Nope. As he tells his best friend Anna, there's a lot more to life than getting tied down to one person. He's positive tomboy Anna will be on his side. Except she's inexplicably developing other interests. Even dating. What? <laughs> a woman has other interests than what the main character man wants to do? I just need to point out that these people are definitely grown. If the photo is to be believed, they're grown. I'm waiting for the he goes off and comes back. Okay, uh, suddenly Quinn is seeing Anna in a very different light. Quinn has been Anna's buddy since they were both five years old. She can tell him anything, except the one big secret she's been hiding for years. She's a lesbian. She's fallen in love with him. <laughs> oh, okay. Now Anna is determined to make a life for herself that doesn't include pining for Quinn. Falling in love with your best friend? Easy. Telling them how you really feel? impossible so i feel like we were both right well no because mine was these people didn't know each other at all yeah but you were like this is a series following the brothers oh yeah yeah yeah. i forgot i said that <laughs> <laughs> this is the one you've been waiting for this is like yeah. bridgerton but in the south maybe the south we don't know where they are well it feels very south, right? The white picket fence with the house, yeah. Well, but the house looks very much like every movie in the 90s was set in like Ohio or like the Midwest. So it could be Midwest. It could even be Northeast, I guess. It's a very generic American, not mansion, but definitely big house. Yeah. With a white picket fence and a huge lawn. I'm not excited for this book. I think it's going to be cheesy and cringy, and full of not problems that are somehow problems for the characters. I'm confused about if it's following him or her or both, because it starts out sounding like it's from his perspective, but mm -hmm. then it ends up sounding like it's from her perspective. So maybe it's one of those... It might bounce back and forth between the two. Yeah. If it is one of those that bounces back and forth between their viewpoints, I'm imagining one chapter ending with like one of them being like Ugh, she just doesn't get it i don't understand why she's acting this way like she used to be so cool and now she like cares about things then the first sentence of the next chapter of hers is like he just doesn't understand me <laughs> like being frustrated with each other well all right now i think i'm about to say amy be careful what you wish for because i get the vibe that I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to have a good experience reading this. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe we won't. But that's the point of the game. They can't all be winners. I mean, if it's, if it's anything like the one that I listened to on my road trip, it was at least funny. Okay. Because it was kind of cringy. So. Okay. We'll keep that in mind. As we dive into Always My Girl. Always My Girl. Always My Girl. Always my girl? <laughs> Always my girl. Are you happy? You wanted this. 
I did want this. And remember earlier when I said, careful what you wish for, Amy. <laughs> but before we go any further, I would like to say cheers. Cheers. With our soju that a litwit friend of ours gave us in honor of the plotters. So we finally get to try some soju. So cheers. Cheers. Hey, nice. So you said it was the Hanjan brand lychee flavor? Yes. Pretty good. It's not what I imagined him drinking in the plotters. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. No, he probably didn't have something quite so fruity. Yeah. But maybe he did. He did love his cats. He does love his cats. (laughs) Thank you, Chris, for the soju. And I think that we probably are going to need it uh for what we're about to do in particular i'm definitely going to need it as i mentioned earlier careful what you wish for amy i said we were going to get cheesy we're going to get cringy and we're going to get a bunch of problems that aren't problems and we got all of that and more i also just want to say that i said that the main male character really looked like a douche and i was oh 100% extremely accurate (laughs) spot on half of my notes are just me being like I hate Quinn I hate him why (laughs) like what even is the point of this book this book shouldn't exist because there's nothing about this guy that is good I don't like him before we go into all that let's tell the listeners what we experienced so we read the book I have learned that we were dropped in the midst of a series. Yeah. And I guess each book is how, like, each of these Shaughnessy brothers have found their mates. Did you have to say mates? Yeah. No, actually, yeah. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> so this time it's Quinn's turn, and Quinn is the rebel, really, the of the brothers. The black sheep. He was a race car driver. That was his profession. You've got a rock star. Mm -hmm. You've got a... A general contractor is the oldest brother. Right, but extremely successful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But he's, you know, salt of the earth, builds things with his hands kind of guy. And then they've got one that's super smart, probably autistic. They, oh my God, I I have things to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> then that one of them is he runs a like a hotel resort. Yeah. So yeah, so the oldest brother is the general contractor, second brother is the resort guy, Quinn is the ex race car driver, and then the other two brothers are twins and one's the rock star. Basically polar opposites. They couldn't be more different from each other. One is super <laughs> outgoing. Actually, I don't know if he's a rock star. He's just a He's a famous musician. And then the other one is a scientist who doesn't know how to people. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And so then the main female character of the story is Anna, who, uh, as we find out in the prologue, her family moved in next door to the Shaughnessy's. And so she grew up with them. And so the prologue basically gives you how Anna and Quinn first meet. It really is basically just a snapshot of their entire life because he's just like, wow, girls are stupid. And she's like, "Ugh, boys are stupid. But somehow they're best friends. My first note on this book actually is from the prologue and I wrote immediately lies. Yeah. And my immediately lies was because I said no six-year-old's favorite cookie is oatmeal raisin. 
Yeah, he wants oatmeal raisin. And she's like, well, all we have is chocolate chip. And he's like, that's my second favorite. I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> my very first note, this is definitely before I realized that like, oh, yeah, this is definitely part of a series. And there's things I should already know. Because I go, literally first page of the first chapter says Quinn is one of six kids. But in the prologue, his mom lists Aiden, Hugh, Quinn, Riley, and Owen. Five. Where's the secret sibling and what's their name? <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was my first note of the book. So that's that's one thing that I, I was very aware of as we were reading. These things would be brought up in the book and I'd be like, oh, I guess we know that now. Yeah. You know, so that is not something that we've really experienced where, you know, things haven't been explained adequately or they're explained after something pops up that doesn't really make any sense. Well, and I think we're already supposed to be kind of familiar with these two characters because they mm. probably are in the earlier books, too. So this, yeah. we're yeah. probably getting thrown in with the assumption that we know more about them mm-hmm. than we do. But the way that it starts, like you said, there's the prologue when they're little kids. And then it jumps to um, one of the other brothers is getting married mm-hmm. at like the family beach house, right? Yeah, it's Hugh, the resort owner guy. And so Anna has lifelong had a crush on Quinn, and Quinn has never known it. Mm-hmm. And the premise, really, for the whole book is that she has always loved him. He has no idea. They are best friends, and he uses her like his own little personal chef, personal go get this thing for me. She's like his mommy. Yeah. Which his mom died, so that yeah. she's like his replacement mom. Another note that I have on here is, uh, this is before page 16, because the next note that I have that has a page marker to it. So, I mean, still, right out the gate of this book, I wrote down, here we go. Anna struggling with work dissatisfaction because it hasn't led to her finding a husband and starting a family. You know, what work (laughs) is meant to be for women. Literally, she's complaining to her friend about how she's not satisfied with her job at the pub. And so she's becoming a realtor. Actually, I think the only enumerated reason that Anna gives for being dissatisfied with her job is that she just hasn't found the right guy because of it. Yeah, everybody just sees her as one of the guys, and she's never going to be able to get married if she keeps working at the pub. Yeah. Because no one's going to want to ask her on dates. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. Some people, that literally is their goal. And like, more power to you if that's your goal, but you don't get a job to meet. Uh, that's like such a, like a 1940s mindset. <laughs> I mean, already I straight up cannot relate to this character. It's just mind-numbingly frustrating. So, Well, our introduction to Quinn. So we start out and it's Anna with the friend who's married to the other brother. Uh, she's getting married to Hugh. Oh, she's the one that's getting married. Got it. So they are sitting out by the pool and Mm -hmm. talking about the job, talking about her obsession with the guy. And then she puts this hat on and he shows up and the hat is covering her face. So he just starts ogling her. The first thing that Quinn does as the story starts is complain. (laughs) He's complaining about they're all at this beach house instead of just at like a regular wedding venue. He's complaining that he has to share a room with his dad. He's complaining about how he doesn't even know if any of the bridesmaids are going to be hot. All he's doing (laughs) is complaining. 
You know, and his brother's like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And I promise you'll find a girl to chat up or whatever. Like his only priority is to not sleep in the same room as his dad and get some strange. Yeah. And so then he sees a chick in a bikini in a big hat out by the pool. And he's like, ooh. He sees her butt because she's like laying yeah. on her stomach. And he starts ignoring who he's talking to so he can ogle and just be the gross about it. So Anna's friend, the fiance, gets up to go get them drinks. And she passes Quinn like on her way into the house. And he's like, oh, who's that? And she's like, you know, she had just had the conversation with Anna about how Anna has had this secret crush on Quinn her whole life. And she's like, go over there and see. (laughs) (laughs) But so he gets over there. And as soon as he realizes that it's her, his demeanor completely changes. He becomes angry. He's controlling and possessive. Mm -hmm. As soon as he realizes it's her, he's like, cover up. Why are you wearing that? What are you thinking? Yeah. And mean. Yeah. He gets mean and angry about it in not a we're friends kind of way. In a like, you belong to me. How dare you kind of way. So my notes in this section are Quinn is an idiot and I hate him. Page 16. (laughs) Why was he being such a jerk? And why did it only seem to make him more appealing? Gross. Like my note there is. So that was a quote. And my note there was gross. So he gets all angry about it. What's her name? The fiance comes back out and he's like, you should cover up. You're going to get a sunburn, blah, 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 all this different stuff. And she's like, that's true. And then somehow fiance friend implants this idea of like, why don't you put sunscreen on her? (laughs) And then like my next note here is... Quinn applying sunscreen to her back is, quote, beyond good. It's a religious experience. And I put <laughs> zero to 60 real fast there. <laughs> Doesn't she like moan or something? And he's like, nope, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> it gives him an awkward boner and he runs away. Like it, the, the book doesn't say that, but it basically he gets an awkward boner and runs away because he basically runs up to the room because he doesn't know how to handle feelings because he's that kind of guy. And then my next note is, oh, Darcy is sibling number six, and it's a girl. So here we find out, like, we're already, like, a chapter or two in, and I finally find out who secret sibling is. What really sucks about this is there are moments like this that kept getting me excited for, like, oh, there's going to be, like, a secret sibling plot, or there's going to be this plot, and then none of those (laughs) things ever happen. And so, like, I worked myself up to these possibilities that could have made this book fun, and none of them happened. Anyway, the wedding happens. She looks really hot in her dress. Is it at the wedding that she comes up with her plan? It's like the after party reception. Okay. Also, there's like a little mini thing here where fiance, now newlywed wife, her boss is dating the Shaughnessy's dad, which is revealed when they show up together and Quinn gets mad and throws a fit about that. Quinn throws an absolute toddler level tantrum that his dad who has been a widower for like 10 years or something at least 10 years okay quinn is 30 because i make a note about that later quinn is 30 and i think so is anna in this first of all i will give kudos to samantha chase the author for making the main characters 30 years old because usually for some reason in situations like this 30 is that barrier of like you are no longer fuckable (laughs) For whatever reason, 30 is that gross age. But then again, I do think that this is like porn for 
very vanilla housewives. And so yes. 30 seems young to them. So I totally agree. You say porn. It's really not a very spicy book. No. That's one of the major disappointments <laughs> of the book is you get all this like, oh, it's a romance. It's fun. It's flirty. It's, you know, all this stuff. Okay. If you remember the title for our episode of Obsidian Tower. <laughs> this book gave me blue balls. Yeah. This book <laughs> gave me blue balls. <laughs> because just when it's getting good, it fades to black. And yeah, I mean, again, I think I said this 50 times. It's Hallmark PG-13 at best. Yeah. There was a point where I was reading the book, waiting for my daughter's choir performance to start. <laughs> so they were having a recital and it got to a point where I thought it was going to get spicy. And I was kind of like, I was grossed out, but I was also like, oh, this is going to be fun to talk about on the podcast. And then nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it doesn't help that I paused my reading of Iron Flame in order <laughs> to read this book. <laughs> And so you go from the raunchy scenes in, in that book, in its previous book, to this. And I'm like, this is nothing. <laughs> like, I'm, getting, I'm getting nothing out of it. Okay, we've derailed a little bit. So either after the wedding or sometime around this whole wedding weekend, Anna divulges to Zoe that she has a plan. And her plan is that she is going to change everything about who she is to suit Quinn so that he will want to fuck her. Ha 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 ha, how devious and Machiavellian of her. Uh, and Zoe is the fiancé now newlywed wife. I don't think we had named her yet, so just to be clear there. She's driving home, and she literally is like, she has like a little glee moment where she's just like, hee 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 hee, this is going to be so fun. Because he's a car guy, she decides she's going to go learn on YouTube how to fix cars, because that will make her more attractive to him, and mm -hmm. change the way she dresses, and everything that she thinks fits his perfect woman, she's going to try to become that for him yeah. and she even as part of her plan wants to go on dates with other men to show him look other men want me there's a point during i think the wedding reception where one of the brothers is basically ribbing quinn about how anna likes him and and so i noticed they establish in this book that these brothers they dig at each other all the time very common trope you know like siblings family members just kind of always taking the piss out of each other right yeah so I said, these brothers dig at each other all the time, but never once tease Quinn about Anna crushing on him, even though literally everyone but Quinn in their lives knew that she was crushing on him. So there's that. And then I also made a note. I don't remember what exactly this is related to, but it just says, are any of the men in this world responsible for their own behavior? All these women are just <laughs> like, LOL, men, right? Then the note about how she was going to just completely change herself for him. So it's, this is the quote from the book. She was already in the process of making herself over. Again, this was her changing her career and yada, 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 because she wanted people to see her like a real girl. Why not make herself over into the woman she described to Quinn? She almost squealed with joy. And my note, fucking really? The whole conceit of this book is that she quote unquote changes herself for him. And then I said, so, okay, later it'll be, it was you all along. You were always the perfect girl for me. But she will have to have gone through the transformation in order for this to happen. Women bending to the whims of men is the crux of all of this. And it pisses me the fuck off. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I, just, I had this huge wall of text here. I was like, I can't ignore this. Mine just says gross. <laughs> yes. 
Okay, so yeah, she she watches all these YouTube videos about how to change the oil in your car, how to change a tire, how to change spark plugs. So Quinn owns a garage in town, and mm-hmm. he works on classic sports cars, and his whole thing is he wants people from all over the country to bring him sort of rare classic cars to work on. So mm-hmm. she shows up, and he is there with a client who's a, another famous race car driver. Mm-hmm. And that guy sees her and immediately starts hitting on her. His name is Jake. Yeah. And like pretty aggressively hitting on Mm -hmm. her. I think I'm smooth. Yeah. Kind of smarmy. Oh, you want to know about cars, little lady? Here, let me take your hand and I won't (laughs) let go of it. There's a mention of like, he still hasn't let go of her hand. And I'm like, yeah, that's creepy. That's not sexy. That's creepy. I think he gets her number and he is calling her all week. Yeah. Asking her out. And she keeps saying no, keeps saying no. And the note that I have here is just when I was starting to like Zoe, the fiance newlywed, Mm -hmm. she recommends to Anna this guy who can't take no for an answer. Anna keeps saying, no, I don't want to go out with you. No, I don't want to go out with you. Who will not leave her alone. Mm -hmm. She's like. You should just go out with him, just yep, just to appease him, just to mm-hmm. get him to back off. Yep. My <laughs> note: I'm not going to stop hearing from this race car driver guy until I submit and do what he wants. Okay, so submit and do what he wants. That's totally <laughs> healthier than just saying no. Wouldn't want to hurt his feelings. Just pretend for him, and then IDK, he'll move on or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> God, how fucking toxic, though. I'm sorry. No, actually, no. Fuck off, Samantha Chase. I am not sorry. That's toxic as fuck. If you don't want to go out with somebody, tell them that you don't want to go out with them. Like, simple as that. You don't have to appease or try not to hurt a man's feelings. Fuck that. But maybe he's a nice guy. He's not. He tries to rape her. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah, so they... (laughs) Sorry. There is a content, like, a slight, very minor content warning. Well, I mean, I already gave it away. He doesn't, like, physically assault her. We'll put it that way. He does not physically assault her. So I had a weird moment. Spoiler. She goes on the date mm-hmm. with the tool guy. And I had a moment where I was annoyed with Anna mm-hmm. at the beginning of the date because her internal monologue is really frustrated with him. She's like, ah, he just talks about himself. He's so self-absorbed. But then when he asks her questions she doesn't answer she'll give like a one-word answer and just sit there so then he asks her more questions yeah and he's asking her questions about her yeah and then she's judging him because he can't engage in the conversation it's like no actually you're the one not engaging in the conversation the whole scenario is stupid because she didn't want to be there to begin with he's a he's a douche nozzle and then on top of it he goes to get them drinks comes back she starts to feel kind of funny and goes to the bathroom. He literally puts a roofie in her drink. Yeah, so he roofies her. <gasps> and it was one of those, I can't remember how he brought the drink, but he was very insistent that she drink the drink. And I had this moment of like, surely not. Right. There's no way. Right. And then as soon as she's like, my head started feeling funny, I had to immediately go Google how fast do roofies actually work? Because <laughs> it was instantaneous yeah she took a sip anyway so she makes it to the bathroom and she starts calling i think first she calls zoe and then she calls her brother she has a protective older brother who's a cop her brother's a cop her brother hates quinn because he knows that anna likes quinn and quinn is a selfish bastard who treats anna like shit yeah it's funny when the possessive older brother 
is right. Well, is like the best <laughs> character in the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, he he is also a man who cannot handle his own emotions. Again, only knows how to be angry, apparently. So there's that. That's problematic. But uh, everyone else is just like, ha ha ha. It's so funny how Quinn just treats Anna like shit. And she's just a little puppy dog for him. I actually think she calls her brother first now that I think of it. I think she calls him first and he doesn't answer. Mm, And -hmm. so then she calls Zoe who does answer, but then Anna can barely talk. She sort of explains where she is. So Zoe tells her husband. And I think Quinn is there with them, right? Yeah, I think Quinn is there. So they all rush to this bar. Well, okay. Again, in my notes here, one, I'm like... Damn, straight to the date rape drug. Does Jake have an evil mustache he likes to twirl? (laughs) And then apparently when Quinn hears what's going on, he says, not again. Mm -hmm. What the fuck is Quinn doing hanging out, having anything to do with a dude like this? And not saying to his best friend when that guy's hitting on her. Hey. Watch out for that one. Yeah. <laughs> she like hand waves it later on. I say she like Samantha Chase, the author. Samantha Chase. Come on. Hand waves it off where he's like, well, there was nothing proven. So blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't get like, okay, cool. He's not a convicted rapist. <laughs> cool. That doesn't mean you have to pretend like nothing probably ever happened. He's still a terrible person and you should never have contact with him again. That actually becomes a pretty big plot point after this, whether or not he should continue even after this. So Quinn shows up at the bar and then punches Jake in the face. Yeah. And they have to, you know, break it apart. Everybody gets kicked out. Even after that, even after he fully drugs Anna, obviously with the intent that he's going to rape her, Mm -hmm. they still have a lot of discussion and argument about whether or not he should continue to work on that guy's cars. Okay, so there is like a whole scene that happens in between here where Quinn takes Anna back to his house. No, back to her house and like takes care of her. She is still roofied. Mm-hmm. Well, she threw up. She makes herself throw up in the bathroom uh, while she's waiting for Zoe to get there. So it's quote unquote, getting out of her system. She still feels wonky. I have a few notes in this scene, yeah. Lacey. Don't, don't get me wrong here. There's so much bad about this. But yeah, so he takes her back to her house. And then I think he's like, oh, we're gonna watch a movie. Yeah, here's my note. I actually did write a long note on this one. Okay, I have, I have a couple here, but here's my bullshit. I call bullshit moment. I said, bullshit, these are not Monty Python people because they put on Monty Python and the Holy Grail. (laughs) I said, they don't get to be this absolutely terrible and still like Monty Python. They don't get to have that in common with me. Fuck them. (laughs) No, not allowed. So my note here is like, I am quoting Quinn in this scenario. Okay. It says, so... I know you just got roofied and you're still coming down from that. And then you were almost assaulted by my friend who I got in a fist fight with. And then you punched me because I already knew that he was a rapist and I Mm -hmm. didn't tell you. But now I really think I would like to just chill at your house and eat some popcorn. Is that okay? Yeah. (laughs) So then they watch this movie. She falls asleep on him, which this is like the second time. That they're watching a movie and she falls asleep on him. The very first time is at the beach house after the wedding. They watch fucking like Fast and Furious. (laughs) 
because he's a car guy and he likes cars. So, of course, they're going to watch Fast and Furious. So she falls asleep on him as they're watching Monty Python, which makes me so mad. For the second time, the exact same scenario happens, except this time she has date rape drugs in her, which is that like she falls asleep and he's like, oh, no, what do I do? I better carry her to bed. And so I have a note here that's like, date rape drugs aside, I've never been so asleep that picking me up wouldn't wake me. <laughs> and then I said, and yeah, also attempted sleep sex is so totally a thing. So her in her stupor, again, after having been drugged in order to be sexually assaulted, she is like, ooh, sexy dream of Quinn. Yeah, I'm so, like, I, mm, no. We've skipped over the fact that she tries to kiss him and is encouraging him to go to bed with her. But like, he considers it. Yeah, well, he like lays her down and makes out with her for a minute. And he's like, no. I mean, at least he eventually says no, but still. The whole scene later on is fine because for her, she was having a sexy dream about him. Mm. My note there just says, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a lot of use. I wrote, you're really on a roll here, Samantha. <laughs> and then in all caps, also, why didn't they call the cops on Jake? So this leads into that whole, like, he's still going to work on Jake's cars afterwards, right? Like, so Jake comes, he's like, I'd still like you to work on my cars. It'd be really good for your business, blah, 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 blah. And Quinn is all like, oh, so totally super conflicted about it. He's like, no, I can't. You're a rapist. And the whole time in my head, I'm like, why isn't Jake in jail? Why isn't Jake in jail? Why isn't Jake in jail? <laughs> I don't understand. Especially because Anna's brother's a cop. Yeah. How does he let that happen? Why did they let him go? Was there something in there about how they're like, well, there's no evidence or something? Something stupid. So I think like the next morning... Anna is struggling with some of this. Quinn, after he's like, no, I probably shouldn't basically rape my friend after she was almost raped and leaves her house. The next morning, she's like so embarrassed. She's embarrassed about getting roofied. Yes. Yeah, so my note here is, there we go. Girl blames herself for being so stupid as to let that situation happen to her. And so embarrassing that other people witnessed a crime perpetrated against her. <laughs> like, because that's the whole thing. She's like apologizing to Zoe. She's like, I'm so sorry you had to see that. And I'm so sorry that like that had to happen. I'm so embarrassed that like you saw me like this. And then my next note is all caps. Why is Quinn talking to Jake? And then that's when the brother shows up and does actually arrest Jake. Jake does get arrested which is good. And my note there is, is this going to turn into a courtroom drama story? What a twist that would be. Again, me getting my hopes up for something that's never actually going to happen in the story. Because after after Jake gets arrested, it's basically just kind of like, and that's that done. Like, I washed my hands of that situation. Like Anna specifically tells Quinn that she wants him to continue working on the cars because she wants him to get the money from it. Mm -hmm. Another example of how Anna is just so selfless and only is ever thinking about Quinn. And I have maybe my favorite quote from yeah. around this point in the story. Okay. So they have a pretty short amount of time, I think, where after this happens, he's realized that she's a woman and is yeah. very shocked and confused by that. Again, another confused boner. <laughs> and the quote says, he kept thinking about her in this new light, this new sexy light. <laughs> <laughs> this is like almost into that damp but virtuous, like what the fuck are you even talking about? <laughs> so 
they have some awkwardness and she doesn't fully remember kissing him, but he definitely does. And Mm -hmm. her car breaks down, so she stops by and asks him to look at it. And in the course of that, I think he reminds her that they kissed or something. And they they start making out like in his office. And it gets super steamy, super fast. It also gets super steamy after he makes some kind of accusation slash question to her where it's basically like, do you kiss other guys like how you kissed me that night? And in my <laughs> and my note here is like, you mean the night she had date rape drugs in her system? <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? Again, weirdly possessive, creepily domineering. Is that the right word? Just, mm. There's also a quote somewhere in here. I think it's actually when she's like gonna go like show a house or something. Like she's trying to be this new person or whatever. It's a quote that she says to herself. And this is not my favorite quote, but it's one of two quotes that I hated so much that they're basically my favorite quotes of the book. (laughs) And the other one actually happens earlier in the book, but we'll talk about, we can talk about it later. This is, you're an adult, act like one, dress like one. And my comment here is just, man, do I disagree with this statement. (laughs) It's like, she's she's wearing like uncomfortable heels. Yeah. Like a blazer. Yeah. But like in particular, it's like these shoes are so uncomfortable. I'm going to hate myself later, but I'm an adult. So I have to dress like one. Bitch, they make more comfortable shoes than that for grownups. They make shoes that are comfortable for grownups. Believe it or not, I wear them every day. (laughs) So they start making out and then start getting uh, phone calls and like alerts to the point that they're like, Something's going on. Yeah, this is terrible because this is literally the first steamy scene between them. Yeah. And it is the steamiest. And then it's nothing because they get the phone call that Aubrey has gone into the hospital. So Aubrey, I don't think we've been even introduced to before, but apparently she had cancer. Yeah, my note is they all know of Aubrey's history of cancer as a teen, dot, dot, dot. And now we, the readers, do too. (laughs) Again, another one of those things that, like, I think if we had read the other books, we would know this. Yeah, I'm assuming that the other book, because they're married, was they had their own book. But anyway, so she has fainted and is being taken to the hospital. The husband's not there. The whole family's rushing to the hospital Mm -hmm. to figure out what's wrong with her and they are all worried that her cancer's back and i mean i wrote my note here with my guess of what was happening and i was definitely right of what was actually happening (laughs) (laughs) she's pregnant so this is another i call bullshit moment because every time a woman is admitted to the hospital they ask you about your last period and they will do a pregnancy test it shouldn't take two days for them to find out that that's why she fainted. Oh, she had been in there for two days. Because they don't find out until like the next day. They do a bunch of invasive tests to see if yeah. it's cancer. And they don't find out until a lot later. And I'm like, that is total bullshit because the different kind of invasiveness. If you go into the ER, mm-hmm. they're going to give you a pregnancy test. I've gone into the ER for like, I thought I had appendicitis and they gave yeah. me a pregnancy test. <laughs> so yeah i also called bullshit on that but it was like okay obviously she's pregnant right like that's what's going on well and it was one of those like oh they didn't think that they could get pregnant you know and of course it was a her issue yeah (laughs) it's never the dude it's never the dude's fault that a couple can't get pregnant (laughs) and so then everyone's so overwhelmingly happy obviously because she doesn't have cancer 
She just has a different kind of growth <laughs> forming in her oh, body. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a funny joke to make by the characters, but they didn't make that. In fact, actually, all that really happens is that her husband gets extremely overprotective and possessive and doesn't want to let her leave the house anymore. Yeah, doesn't even want her to, like... Walk down to the beach from their house. <laughs> yeah, which is, like, ten feet away because they're rich. <laughs> he doesn't let her do anything. And it's like, I would kill him. Yeah. I would do a murder. This is kind of the point where I feel like things fall off. All of those beginning bits were kind of, oh, there's lots of interesting things happening. This mm-hmm. happens. Not a lot comes of it other than they, they talk to her about being pregnant later on and like buy her snacks and shit. So because she's like in the hospital for two days, they are staying in the guest room at Hugh and Aubrey's house. And I think that's where they boink for the first time. Mm. And so then they're together. And then like, so you have all this lead up of like, will they, won't they, will they, won't they, right? And then they do. And then it's just like, And then we were together for a while, but we were so wrapped up in ourselves that, like, we didn't go anywhere. We didn't do anything. We just each went to work, came back home and boned. (laughs) Each went to work, came back home and boned. It's funny because it starts out and she's like, all I've ever really wanted is for someone to think that I'm a sex goddess. (laughs) Yeah. Which, okay. Also, that in particular... I even think that somewhere in there she says, like, my inner goddess or something. And that gave me flashbacks to Fifty Shades of Grey where my inner goddess was used so much. I'm like, where does that come from? I don't know. Why why is that such a trope? Because, like, when I'm feeling very sexy, I'm not thinking I'm a goddess. I'm thinking I'm, like, a beast, okay? (laughs) I'm going to get it. My mom listens to this podcast. (laughs) I don't think my mom does. That is not the worst thing your mother has ever heard me say, okay? (laughs) So so we go from worship my body to why don't you want to go anywhere with me? Yeah. Why can't we go out? I just want to go out. Let's go out. He's like, no, no, I'm tired. He gives a lot of excuses. He genuinely is kind of shady about it. What's crazy about this is the two of them have, they've known each other their entire lives, but now they don't know how to talk to each other, which I mean, okay, sure. I can suspend disbelief a little bit and say like, you know, their paradigm has shifted. They don't know how to be this way with each other. Fine. But she, her inner monologue is like, he won't communicate with me, but then she doesn't communicate with him beyond being pissy. And then his inner monologue is, The couple of times that we have been around other people, everyone has made fun of me about how she's slumming it with me, basically. Every time we are anywhere with other people and they know that we are together as a couple, people basically just shit on me the whole time. And she's there for it. She hears Mm -hmm. it. She sees it. You know, all that. So that's his inner monologue. But he also just doesn't say that. And so there's these two people that are pissed that neither one is communicating with them, but neither of them even tries to communicate with the other. Yeah. This may be why they're both 30 and haven't been in any kind of serious relationship prior to this. Yeah. And then she starts to, like, test her theory, basically by trying to, like, engineer these situations. Also, apparently they are suddenly both on a softball team that we haven't heard about at all, (laughs) even though it's, like, a weekly thing. It's not brought up at all until this very moment. And then it's like, he doesn't want to show up to the softball game together with her. 
And then, like, she scores a point. She gets a touch goal or whatever. I don't care. <laughs> Everyone's giving her high fives and hugs. And she goes to give him a hug. And he, like, shakes her hand. Or, or maybe he gives her a <laughs> high five. But it's very, like, sterile. And she's pissed about it. That's the last straw for her. The fact yeah. that he did the high five and not the hug. And she storms off. Yeah. She's like, are we going to go to the party? He's like, you can go to the party. And she's like, I'm not going to go to the party. He's like, well, I might go to the party. <laughs> He's so shady about it. She's so passive aggressive about it. It makes you hate both of them. And they break up. Yep. Her, because she thinks that he wasn't ever serious. He's embarrassed of me. I'm not good. I'm not sexy enough. I'm not pretty enough. Like the Mm -hmm. girls he normally dates. Because I'm so not like the other girls. I'm not one of the bimbos. And for him, it's like, she's better than me. And she does deserve more. And... She's going to realize it. I'm going to self-sacrifice right now. Yeah. Yeah, But be like super bitchy and angry about it too. Somewhere in here, we get a scene where a couple different people talk to the brother that is a scientist that is too smart to people. And the only note I have about it, I said we were going to talk about later. It really just kind of pissed me off because he was basically just, I don't know. And I said, according to Samantha, scientists are too smart and they don't know how to people. And I don't even know why it's in there. Just as a way for Quinn to complain and someone to be like, well, maybe you're complaining. That brother, again, felt so unrealistic because he's extremely smart. They kind of make fun of him for any time he tries to explain something to them that they either are not interested in or don't understand. They're like, oh, here he goes or whatever. And they'll ask him to explain things as like a novelty almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like do the trick. But it's not like he's... Low functioning. He is a functional, successful adult scientist. Mm -hmm. He's just kind of quirky in the way that some people like that can be quirky. But then she writes in things like, he doesn't know what the phrase kick ass means. Yeah. Which is stupid. Even quirky people know what that means. (laughs) What you get here is someone attempting to write a neurodivergent character. Yeah. But they're like, the only thing I know about autism or neurodivergency or whatever are these very stereotypical things. And so I'm going to take these very stereotypical things and try to cram them into what I think a real person is. And so like, you make this contradiction of he can't know what these things means, but he has a lot of insight in order to reflect for Quinn about his problems. And so he's being used in this scenario. Him and the other brother do this too. uh, The other twin, the, the musician one. They basically are like a mirror that's being held up to Quinn about like, here's your, you're complaining about these things. And it provides Quinn an opportunity to reflect and be like, oh, I've realized something. But the problem with I'm trying to fill all these niche spaces in here, I'm going to throw in the token person with a disability. Yeah. But when you, when you make it a caricature. Yes, exactly. That's what it is. He is a caricature who then also has to fulfill this empathetic, thing but you've built him up as a person that doesn't understand social situations so it's so unrealistic it's like either he doesn't get it or he does you can't create this like completely opposite character within the same person and that was really annoying that makes me wonder what that book is like when he's the main character i don't think he has a book yet because he doesn't have any love interest or anything like yeah i don't know where we are in the series or we should look that up could be other books that are already Mm -hmm. written anyway though so after they break up they have one really awkward interaction where 
So she's her new career that she started, I think we mentioned it but didn't really go into it, is that she's going to be a realtor. She doesn't want to be a realtor, but it's a job. It's a way for her to make more money mm-hmm. to like buy a new car. Oh, that's right. Quinn buys her a car because her car is yeah. a piece of shit and she gets mad about that. Which there's a little bit of justifiable anger in there. Gets unmad real fast. Yeah, I think because he took his shirt off or something. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so she is showing this beautiful beachfront property to an old classmate who has done Mm -hmm. very well for himself, is single and attractive. I was like, ooh, she... This book is really going to be about how she found her true love, which is that guy. (laughs) Yeah, but that guy's Lacey. That guy wasn't on the cover. Yeah. So they have a great time showing these houses. I think she wrote it to be a tease, but they are never inappropriate with each other. They are never anything other than Mm -hmm. friendly old classmates. Yeah. I mean, I think that, like, the guy shows a bit of interest there. Yeah. You know? but. In a very normal person way. Just like, oh, hey, do you want to get a drink? To meet up with other people, though. Well, he actually wants to talk to Aiden about construction. Because he's like, well, if I don't buy this house, I might just have one built. So, you know. And then I think he's like, I actually have other properties or, you know, something like that. And so he wants to do business with Aiden. So very realistic, you know, like, hey, we are friends. You have connections. Let's all meet together. I'm also trying to feel out if maybe you're interested in me, how I might be kind of interested. Like a very normal way that people might go about maybe seeing if there's something there. So they go out and Quinn shows up with the way she's described it's like he found her on the street maybe (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) not a savory type lady (laughs) he almost kind of does it because he hears yeah anna has been talking to this other guy i think he drives by and he sees them and then he shows up later or something oh that's right yeah because they met for lunch to talk about something and then that's where aiden's name gets brought up and so she's like actually I'm going to meet up with them. We should go together. And I, yeah, Quinn like drives by and sees her sitting outside at lunchtime in a public place with a dude and he gets all pissy about it. Because she's dressed up because she's wearing her professional lady clothes. <laughs> yeah. And so he goes and finds, and I think that it's mentioned a couple times, a bimbo, which is so insulting to women who just want to be bimbos. Why do we got to drag this other chick down for just being who she is? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's not fair. That's not fair to her. She's just living her life. I don't even think her she's named. No, I don't think she's either. Also, somewhere in here, because I'm trying to look at like all of my notes, I just put, of course, Anna's true passion is cooking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With a little eye roll emoji. Like, of course, the only thing she ever really wants to do is cook. Because why would a woman have any other kinds of aspirations? Again, very hallmarky. I know she wasn't this like big shot city big job person that came to a small town and learned the wonders of cooking like she just no woman ever wants to do anything other than live in a small town and cook for other people no matter what they start as even if they started in a small town cooking for other people to play devil's advocate if that's what she want to do let her do just like the bimbo gets to do what she want to do you know that's again that's fair But, like, with everything else that happens in this book, I'm going to change myself to prove to the man that he actually could like me. I'm going to become a realtor because 
you have to be an adult and dressed in uncomfortable shoes in order to, I don't know. It's too many of these stupid stereotypes crammed into one book. One of them, two of them, maybe even three of them, okay, spread out, sprinkled here and there as a treat, sure. But all crammed into one Pop-Tart of shittiness? No. <laughs> like, it's Shit terrible. Tart. <laughs> Shit tart. But so this is an interesting thing that we could have tried to resolve prior to hitting the record button on the podcast, but elected not to. Mm. Neither Amy or I remember what happens at the end of the book. We have a couple things that happen here. So he brings poor, sweet, innocent bimbo into the into the pub where Anna is there with Aiden and Zoe and rich old school friend guy. And then like Anna goes to the bathroom and Aiden like corners her in the bathroom. Won't let her leave. They're having this like, you love me. No, you love me. Meh, I hate you. You said Aiden. (laughs) Not Aiden, Quinn. Sorry, there's so many of them. (laughs) I was like, I don't remember this part. No, no, no. Sorry, Quinn corners Anna in the bathroom. Won't let her leave. And basically forces a kiss on her. And then she's like, yes. She just melts into it. I'm just like, oh my God. So I wrote here, Quinn trapping Anna in the bathroom in jealousy. Totally normal, understandable behavior. Not a red flag at all. And then I wrote, he's horrible. (laughs) And so there's that. That happens. And then she leaves. I'm like, how do you come back from that? The way you come back from that is the owner of the pub that Anna used to work at, and then she quit because it wasn't a real job, wants to retire, but he doesn't want to sell her the business. He just wants to give it to her because- Because he sees her as a daughter. Yeah, but that's bullshit. He wants to go start another bar with like some military friends or something. So there's this retirement party and she stays there super late and she's so tired. She's so tired. She's so incredibly tired. And the reason why she's so tired is because she stayed there so late and they had that conversation about how he wants to give her the pub, which is cool. And it's like, okay, good. You get to be your authentic self. That's awesome. You don't have to be a realtor that, for some reason, has to wear uncomfortable shoes anymore. (laughs) It's the stupidest thing. It's so stupid. I hate that. Anyway, and so she's driving home at like 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning. She's so tired. She gets a flat tire. And she tries to call Zoe, I think, and her brother. Again, she has trouble contacting anyone. And she's like, wait, I watched YouTube videos. I can change a tire. (laughs) So she's like trying to change the tire. And then in here, I have a note, OMG, a female cop. How surprising and unexpected. I don't know where that comes into it. Maybe the cop like stopped to try to help her or something. Is it her brother's partner? It doesn't matter. Because what happens is Quinn shows up and Anna faints because she's so tired. (laughs) Because that's what women do. (laughs) Yeah. And so then I have a note here. Quinn is desperately worried about Anna passing out on the side of the road. But this town has never heard of urgent care. And OMG, she is just so adorable when she's this sleepy slash unconscious. And then I wrote, no wonder Jake wanted to drug her. (laughs) Quinn has these moments of realization about how much he loves Anna when she's unconscious. He's like, man, if only she could be asleep all the time. (laughs) And then another note I have here is, and of course, men only become considerate and think of others before themselves when they meet the one trademark. And fall in love. So he takes her back home. He puts her to sleep, like, at at his house. And then somehow they're fine again. 
Yeah. So at this point, I don't remember. I don't remember mm -hmm. what happens after this. And I don't remember the end. Yeah. The very last note I have in here is uh, because, of course, they have a fight about the rich guy whose name is apparently Dan. I see that in my note here now. The guy that she was showing the houses to. She tells him, I was just showing him houses and he wanted to talk to Aiden. She tells him this, I think, when he holds her captive in the bathroom, I think. And so my very last note just says, cool how Quinn only believes the truth about Dan when another man told him. I'm pretty sure it was Aiden that told him. But he was, quote unquote, too riled up when Anna told him. Fucking men. So emotional. <laughs> <laughs> so rather than looking up how the book ends, I think we just leave it at that. I think we just say, you know what? The ending is so unmemorable. Unimportant. So forgettable. I almost said unforgettable. <laughs> I have the book here. I could open it up and look at it. But why would you want to? Yeah, there's no reason to revisit this. Okay, let me tell you my other most hated quote of the book. <laughs> okay. Way back on page 74. So pretty close to the beginning of the book. Quinn says this. And again, just it made me so mad. <laughs> it says, I don't know. So many things have come easily to me. And this is the first time in my life I'm having to really prove myself at 30. This 30 year old man. This is the first time he's ever actually had to try at something. This poor boy. This poor sweet baby prince that needs to be protected from the world because everything sends him into a tantrum <laughs> because he's literally never had to try. But I mean, like, if that's true, that is how you would be, right? I guess. But why? Why would somebody want that? <laughs> why would you want that? Why would you look at that and be like, yeah, that's my dream boy right there. Mm, everything about that. Give it to me. I don't know, man. My, I read one of my quotes earlier, but my other quote that I wrote down is from a time that they're on good terms and they're getting busy or getting ready to get busy and they are sort of like teasing about what they're going to do. And the very, <laughs> the very last thing in the chapter before it fades to black is he says to her, bring it. And then it says, <laughs> and she did. <laughs> and that's the end of the chapter. <laughs> Honestly? That's one of the better fade to black ones. Because <laughs> like. at least there's some attitude there. Like everything else was so bland. Again, the steamiest scene was when she shows up and her car's messed up. Because he like picks her up and like puts her down on the desk. And I'm like, they're going to bone. <laughs> and then they think someone's cancer came back. And so they, they I don't, it's just, it's terrible. This book sucked and I Cancer, it. what a buzzkill. <laughs> right book was stupid <laughs> did you have a least hated character least hated character probably zoe's boss <laughs> that gets with their dad does she even speak she has a couple lines <laughs> but she's like super chill i was gonna say the pub owner oh yeah he was pretty good he only had the one scene yeah well, kind of similar to, yeah, Zoe's boss. But everybody else is pretty unlikable. Yeah. Although I will say, even though Aubrey has the whole, like, I am frail, I had cancer, now I have a complicated pregnancy or whatever, her whole, like, let's do something so I can pretend like I'm relaxing, but I'm actually going to do stuff with you or, you know, whatever. I don't like that she feels like she has to lie about that. Like she's a prisoner in her own house. Yeah. But at least she is something of a rebel. <laughs> 
Even like the little sister Darcy, I think there's a point where like she wants to go on a spring break trip, but like, oh yeah, there's like this whole thing about how like she says how much it is and she's like all pissy because she's like, dad doesn't want me to go because it's co-ed. And they're like, no, (laughs) dad doesn't want you to go because you said it was going to be like (laughs) $4,000. They're all dumb and I hate them all. Dan was pretty fine. The rich old school friend Dan was fine. Yeah, I like Dan. Okay, Dan's our fave. Which is funny because in If You Can Get It, wasn't Dan the- The lawyer friend? Wasn't that Dan in that book? Everybody needs a Dan. Everybody needs a Dan. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so out of five Shaughnessy brothers, what what rating do you give this book? (laughs) My first thought was I give it one sister. Because I want to reject the rating scale in its entirety (laughs) because there's nothing redeemable. But my second thought, which I should not say out loud, is one dead mom. Oh, God. I I can't, like, okay, again, it's a romance novel, but I don't even get any of the raunchiness. So I feel like I was wrong. (laughs) No, I'm serious, though. The interaction sucked. The way the women acted sucked. I don't even think, what's the name of the test where it's like... Oh, the Bechdel test? Yes. I don't think it passes that because I'm pretty sure every time two women are talking in this book, they're talking about men. Yeah, I don't know that there's any conversations that happen about anything else. Yeah. I don't think there was a single thing I liked about this book. It's zero. Zero brothers. <laughs> I will give it I will give it a cousin. <laughs> One cousin. <laughs> because I did not care for the characters. I thought that Quinn was an awful human, like the douchiest douche that ever did douche. Mm-hmm. And the writing was like, it wasn't horrible. Yeah, it was It fine. was just okay. But somehow that actually makes it worse than If You Can Get It. Because If You Can Get It, while horrible, was also hilarious because it was so mm. bad. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't mm-hmm. even have that. Like you can't even enjoy the train wreck because it wasn't a train wreck. Yeah. It was just bad. Yeah. You know, before this book, I was excited at the idea of reading romance novels because I thought we would have some fun train wreck moments. I thought, but no, it was, it really was. It was just problems that weren't problems, really things that should have been the entire focus of the book, like attempted date rape and its consequences (laughs) were like treated the same way as the non-issue problems. And that made me so mad. It has completely, I'm like, is this what the genre is like? Honestly, I think that having not read books like this, I really believe that this probably is what most romance novels are. My only other experience is the one we listened to on the road trip, but it was, I feel similar. And I also, like you said, the characters were older than I thought they should be for how they were behaving. Yes. Yeah, they behaved like teenagers, but they're in their 30s. Which makes me think, like you said, the target audience being like a slightly older woman. Mm-hmm. So they're old enough in numbers on the page to feel relatable and like that could be me, but behaving in ways that make any of this possible. Because if you behaved like what I would consider a typical 30-year-old, you know, a, mm-hmm. a lot of this. I've known some pretty immature 30-year-olds, but they're still a lot deeper than these two. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if some of that is like maybe the author has written themselves into a corner, right? Because like they're making these stories 
about all these brothers. And so like, Mm -hmm. just by virtue of this being like so far, I don't know, again, I don't know how many books. I think this is the third one. Only the third one. Okay. But it made me think of like, okay, so that would make sense if like Aiden and Hugh have each had their kind of romance stories, right? Because they have their girls. But I don't think the twin brothers have. And they're younger than Quinn. So we come at this with a bias of a preference Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. plot heavy, imaginative reading. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if the thing that I look for in my books is emotion and heartstrings, I still don't think this is redeemable because of the weird gender stuff and the not treating Mm -hmm. serious things like attempted assault as, Mm -hmm. I mean, actual assault. It's not attempted. Drugging somebody is assault. But I can see how some aspects of this might be enjoyable if you're looking for a different kind of escape from reality. Yeah. So when we were judging the book by its cover, I said Hallmark a lot. And I think that if this had stuck to just non-issue problems and not tried to throw in a big problem, quote unquote, it probably wouldn't have been quite so offensive to me in that sense kind of similar to how like oh i'm just going to take this stereotype of neurodivergent people and try to blend it in in a way that doesn't make sense you know it's very similar it was like well i have to raise the stakes but i can't raise them too high this author just really missed the mark on a lot of those kinds of things of just recognizing how to handle stakes in a situation i think She's probably very used to non-issues, but wanted to like spice it up a bit or, you know, something to create some drama. But the problem was, is that it was way too much and it wasn't resolved correctly. And so it just felt very dismissive of the gravity of something like that should play out. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, we read it. At least it was a very quick read. (laughs) (laughs) That is... True. You finished this book the fastest that I think you finished any of the books we've done. (laughs) Well, yeah, I couldn't get an audiobook of it. So I had to read the physical copy. You read it first. And then I think I read it in two days. It helped that I was off work at the time. But I believe I told you I read it so fast because I just wanted to be done with it. I did not want (laughs) to waste any more time on it. I knuckled down and powered through that book. (laughs) Uh, So Litwitz, if you made the poor decision to also read this. <laughs> Sorry. Send us your thoughts. Commiserate if you want. You can find us at librarygamepodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram. We are the library game. Or you could join our Facebook group. We have a little community where... Sometimes we'll post funny things. Amy finds memes that she will uh, put out (laughs) there, pose questions to the group. It's fun. Yeah. You can just search on Facebook for that. It's just the library game. Again, sorry if you read that book because of us. I think I said it in the intro also. They can't all be winners. (laughs) (laughs) All that being said, I'm going to take a sip of soju to uh, wash the taste of that. Yeah, cleanse the palate. Out of my mouth. If you are going to participate and read along for the next book, we're taking a little bit of a sidestep from our normal process. If you listened last season, you'll know we had a bit that we introduced called Strange Encounters. Our book for next time is Another Strange Encounter. This is one that actually Amy and I were both present for. Yeah. So 
if you don't remember, A Strange Encounter is where we encounter a book in the wild. We will tell you all about how that came to be. But if you would like to read along, the book that we will be reading is The Janus Witch by Michael Scott Clifton. So no, we don't have RSSB coordinates for you this time, but I do hope that everybody enjoys another random way of deciding what do I read next. I hope you all join us next time. Okay, bye.